going to have some announcements, and Jordan's got the first one. Very interesting. Um, as many of you know, uh, I am the youth director here at The Well, and we had a Christmas party on Wednesday. So I thought it'd be fun just to share a couple videos, or pictures and a video, but um, we all kind of dressed up, uh, you know, festively, and we all, all the lead, leaders had matching hats, as you can see there. Uh, so we had video games, um, we had a movie going, The Grinch, the new one, uh, and then we had a snowman building contest, so we kind of arranged all the chairs in such a way that we could all have fun out here, and they, would, they wrapped each other in toilet paper uh, with bows, and that's Isaac over there on the right. He's kind of the classy snowman. Um, and actually, the one in the middle won uh, the contest because we had judges, you know, seeing which one was the best. So we had a lot of fun with that. And then the best part was we had a snowball fight, and we have a video uh, showing how that was. So yeah, we killed the lights. We had uh, black lights, and those little snowballs, you know, glow really nice. Um, interesting fact. So I think it was the the ninjas. I don't remember the full name, but they were winning the whole time. And so the polar bears were down, and so finally the last round, the polar bears won, and that was the final, the win for the polar bears. So we did pretty good. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, we had that going on, and we're going to have a, an event coming up this Wednesday, and then we're off for two weeks for, for youth, so uh, we'll be back again in January. So I think now Tyler has some announcements. Thank you, Jordan. Wouldn't it be great to be a kid again, be able to do that? I mean, I don't know about you, but the snowball, no, Martin? Okay. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. They had a great time, but... That's what I want to share this morning is that we, um, if you guys are not aware, we have the Continuing Care Center that we come alongside of. And this year we were able to um, bring some presents to them. So we gave 60 presents to all the residents and the employees. We gave 120 cards with little candy canes. And I, I call them Betty, Betty's bags, but a lot of times people think I call Betty a bag, but that doesn't it. <laughs> so Betty was gracious enough to help us and we delivered them. Richie and I dropped them off and it just truly blessed on the Continuing Care Center. And it's what we're called to do is be salt and light out in the community. So it's just, it was a great day. And I guess they're just having a great time getting all those gifts because they're shut in right now. And during COVID, they don't get a lot of visitors. So, so, so thank you for all of you that helped on that. And now talking about more salt and light in the community, Darianne. Good morning, church family. I have... Um, a great announcement to announce to you. Um, in the past, we have been able to partner with the Wesleyan Church and provide meals, specifically sack lunches, for the Ojai Valley Family Shelter. And Matt and Michelle Henderson, who some of you know, I'm sure, they are coordinating meals for Pastor Lynn Thomas for the Wesleyan Church this shelter season. So we have chosen four Sundays. It's actually the fourth Sunday of every month we are going to be packing 10 sack lunches for the homeless. And our first Sunday is actually next Sunday. It's the day after Christmas, uh, Sunday, December 26th. And um, there are many ways that you can participate. 
So um, every sack lunch contains five, ad- five items, a sandwich, chips, fruit, a sweet, and a drink. And um, if you're interested, you can provide an item that would go into that sack lunch. Um, we can also prepare the sandwiches after church, which we've done before. After the service, we just have a little station in the commons, and we can make the sandwiches together. Um, if you're interested in baking, if you're a baker and want to bake a sweet for the homeless, if you want to um, deliver the, the sandwiches, the sack lunches, they have to be delivered to the Wesleyan Church by 5.30 every Sunday. If you want to um, create a note that could be included in the sack lunch, that's something that you can do also. So if you're interested in participating or have questions, you can talk to me or Pastor Tyler. Thank you. Thanks, Marianne. Uh, and one more opportunity to uh, participate and to really bless, um, either be blessed yourself or bless someone else. Um, we've had a family in the church who was... Uh, doing spring cleaning in December. Um, and they uh, have ident- they came up with a lot of coats and jackets, most of them kind of winter-oriented, and they've brought them to church, and they're going to be available. And Tyler, where is the tables going to be? They're going to be out back. Okay, so, um, so after church, if you need a jacket, you know someone who needs a jacket, you are welcome to peruse all the jackets and take one if you are so inclined. If you don't need a jacket but would really like to take an opportunity like Darianne was just talking about to take a jacket or two and go find someone in the community who needs a jacket and you could just kind of drive around. You could, you know, obviously interact with uh, those who are homeless or someone who's just in need. Whatever the case may be, feel free to take one or more jackets and give them to someone who needs a jacket. So an opportunity for you to be blessed or for you take this as an opportunity to bless someone else. So that's a neat opportunity. And just a reminder also about the the Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's going to be this upcoming Friday here from 6 to 7 o'clock, and we hope that you can attend. It's really a very special time as a family together, and we hope that you'll uh, be able to come to that. Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us here and online. I know that uh, many are ill and uh, are actually staying away out of an abundance of caution as well, even though they may not be ill. So thank you for your concern and your love for others in doing that. And again, thankful for technology that allows us to, uh, to have a church family join us live, uh, not just in Ojai, but really around the state and even around the country. Uh, hello to Minnesota and other parts of the country that join us faithfully. Uh, we're going to continue this morning looking at uh, really John 15. And if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we're actually... Uh, started the book of Philippians a few weeks ago, and uh, we were camped in Philippians 2, 12, and 13, and we're going to start with those verses today. Uh, It says this, Philippians 2, 12, and 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure." So the book of Philippians is actually a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. So it's written to believers. And in these uh, two verses here, we've been really looking at what it means to work out your salvation. It's not work for. We know that. It means to bring it to conclusion. You're a believer. You put your faith in Christ. Now he says you're to work out your salvation. And, And then he goes in verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we're, we're working through what it means 
to work out your salvation, to take it to conclusion. The word, one of the word pictures was a math problem that you take all the way to conclusion. Uh, we know that that is ultimately becoming more and more like Jesus, Christ-like. And then, then verse 13, for it is God who works in you to desire and to empower you to do that. This, this really cooperative effort. How does that work, right? And I shared with you last Sunday a book that I read growing up, you know, The Way Things Work and all these little pictures of TVs and phones and cars, and it really went into, well, how does it work, right? How does this really work, right? How does this, how does this microphone work? How is, it, how is it that I can talk into this one or I can talk into this one, and it goes that way through the airwaves, right? And somehow those, those machines there and all the technology in the bridge, somehow there are people, many people who are watching this live. Like how many of you are like, I don't get that. Right, that's beyond my pay grade. That's like, I don't wanna know. I just know it works. Just turn it on. I don't, I don't need to know how it works, right? And so sometimes in our faith, uh, we never really took time. Well, how does this work? We know we're supposed to be sort of in this thing called sanctification, more and more like Jesus, right? That's, that should be the goal. But how does it work? Because we get Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work out. Okay, so many of us are very works-oriented, driven, get the grades, get the job, right? So we get working out. But it's God who works in me to desire it and to empower it? Okay, so we're, we've been working through that. And I thought of it in light of, like, I came across this, this quote kind of in the, as I was looking through quotes, you know, goal setting, you know, how many here set New Year's resolutions? Any, any New Year's resolution-ites around here? How many gave up on New Year's resolutions because you just realized you, you resolved not to do them. That's your resolution, right? Well, some of you may or may not be sort of goal setters. You know, I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but, you know, it's helpful. And, and so I was, I was looking at some quotes about goal setting, and I found this one, and, and it's very interesting. It says, success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. I love that. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. I love that because if our goal of believers is to be Christ-like, the process of sanctification, if you are in progress, you're succeeding. Amen? And I, and I would hope that, that you would take time to reframe it because a lot of us, we tend to be half empty and our own worst critics and, oh, you're such a loser and how could you do that again? And we tend to beat ourselves up as believers and it kills our joy, robs us of a lot of the enthusiasm of following Jesus when I love this quote as applied, you know, if we bring it into our context of following Jesus, you're a success. Okay, how many of you, you know, it's towards the end of the year, so December 19th, think back to this year. How many of you in this calendar year have seen progress in your sanctification. Just, I'm not talking leaps and bounds, I'm talking maybe a baby step. How many of you went two steps forward and one step back? Like, right, kind of like the, right? But you're on an uptrend, right? The key is the trend, right? So, so how many of you can say, yes, as I sit here, I've seen progress toward sanct. All right, well, you're a success. Turn to the person next and say, you're a success. Tell them, you, 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 you right? You're a success. We, we need that in our life, that attaboy, girl. We need that because, you know, there's a devil who's the accuser and, and our own insecurities and, you know, this social media Instagram world where we're looking for the approval of everybody, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And we know our own failures and our own hidden stuff. We all that. 
But the truth is, many of us, if you took one step forward in sanctification this year, you're a success. Okay, and, and we have to flip this. And then one of the things we've been learning the last few weeks is so much of our Christianity, I think, has just turned negative. Maybe with the best of intentions, you, you know, I don't know, maybe you grew up and, and you had a coach or a parent or someone and they tried to get you to succeed by the drill sergeant route, right? Not the loving, you can do this, try again, but, you know, like, you're a loser. What are you thinking? How could you do that? Again, right? So some of us carry that into our walk with Jesus, and we think that Jesus is the great drill sergeant in the sky, and he wants to bark orders at us, waiting for us to mess up, when truth be known, I, I, I'm thinking he's your biggest cheerleader. I'm thinking he's your biggest cheerleader. And he celebrates the progress you all make, and I make the baby steps. The baby steps. Why? Because it bears fruit of your new nature. It glorifies him, Okay. So I love that. And so we've been looking at this, and last week we looked at John 15, and it says this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Right? And so we looked at this as another way to try to understand how this works. How do we get more to be more like Jesus? And in the context of John 15, how do we bear fruit? How many of you would like to bear fruit for Jesus? Would like, you know, fruit being spiritual character, Christ-likeness, spiritual fruit, right? I guess that most everyone here would say, yeah, I would like that. I would like in my life to bear fruit and honor God, right? So we looked at this last week. Well, how do you do this, right? So Jesus is the vine. Father is the vine dresser, Right? In John 15, verse 2, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. We saw that that's people who profess to be Christians but really aren't, okay? There's nothing in their life really as a whole that would indicate a changed nature. They don't want the things of God. They're not living for Jesus. They don't love the Lord. They're just kind of, we called it, you know, a profess, someone who professes but doesn't possess, okay? And so he says, you know, they're taken away and says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And this is really important because, again, pruning, I mean, how many gardener types are here? Like, you're, you're pretty good, right? I just try to keep it alive, right? Like, me and my wife, <laughs> she's better than it than I would, but yeah, I just, so pruning. I don't know much about pruning, although when I hear the word pruning in my lack of education in this area, I think pain, Right? I don't, I've never thought of pruning necessarily. I thought of pain, cutting, right? I'm not so sure the plant is thrilled with that. But, you know, oh, it's good for them, right? And, and so when I heard, like, every, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Well, okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me wrap my mind around this pruning, father pruning. Because it's a good thing, he says, every branch that does bear fruit, okay? So if you're bearing fruit as a believer, that's a good thing, Right? Good thing. But what does it say is about to happen to you? You're about to get pruned, right? You're about to get pruned. Father prunes so that what? You can bear more. It's a good thing. Is pruning a good thing? Pruning's a good thing, and it's a good sign that you're doing something right. Amen? Right? So we should be welcoming pruning because Father says, fruit, come here. Right? Now, 
Biblically, we saw that we have to understand pruning in the word that's used here. doesn't necessarily mean cutting or hacking or anything like that. The word pruning actually means cleanse. Right? I'm like, well, cleanse. Right? And, and, and I'm like, okay, that's different than just cutting. And so, I, you know, I shared last Sunday, I did some research into growing grapes, right? And so in the spring, these little shoots grow up, and they're called suckers, Right? And they grow up on the vine, and there's a process called suckering, right? Or pruning, suckering. And what they do, right? So you see that tree right there, that vine has a lot of shoots or suckers, okay? And in the spring, you have to sucker, they call it suckering the vines. And what you do, it's very, it's, it's very interesting because you get them in the spring while they're still soft. And you can do it by hand. But there's a term called lignifying, and lignifying is when they become rigid and wooden. Then it takes a lot more work, right? And so you sucker the vines, and then ultimately, go ahead, it, it cleans up, right? And why, what are they doing, right? There's a before and after. What are those suckers and shoots doing? They're sucking away nutrients from, ultimately, the fruit. So you got to get rid of them. And so last week, we asked ourselves, well, are there some suckers and shoots in my life that are that need to be suckered, right? Like, if we're the vine and Father, see, this is Father, he's looking at you and me, and, and it kind of reminded me of parable of the sower when they cast seeds. Look at Matthew 13, right? He casts seeds and he says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So very similar, right? So if you're bearing fruit, Father looks at you and says, um, there's some things that need to be taken away, cleansed. And you need to do some suckering, right? Because they're draining you. They're taking away your time, your energy, your resources, your, your attention from bearing spiritual fruit. They're draining you. That's all he's doing. He's pointing things out to us in our life that need to be removed so you can bear more fruit. Amen? Okay, now, you know, the, the challenge with that is that some of the th things that he points out, we like. They, you know, oh, it's just, and it's just, and it really, oh, and it's not hurting anyone, and, you know, and, and he knows better than we do what is actually draining us. And it might even sometimes be people. It might, it might, be, it might be unhealthy situations that, that, you know, are just not helpful to your fruit bearing, okay? It might be habits, it might be a lot of things. So how does, how does the Father do this? What's the process? How does that work? Well, one of the key things, is he uses his word. He uses his word. Hebrews 4. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Second Timothy in the New Living. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is why it's important to be in the word. Because as you meditate on the word, as you take in the word, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to speak to you in your unique life situation. 
Okay? It's called conviction. It's called whatever you want to call it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, yeah, you, you read a passage. How many of you have ever read a passage of Scripture in your quiet time or in your study, and you're like, ouch. And he's like, okay, you got to make that phone call. Okay, you got to make that, right? That's because it's living and active in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why, in many ways, we as pastors and elders, we're not necessi- we don't have to be the spiritual popo. And like, you know, point fingers around here and like, oh, you know. What we want you to do is fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with the word, and we believe that primarily through the word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can speak to you. And bring the conviction from the inside out. So it's not just compliance around here, and it's not just man-pleasing, and it's not just, you know, saying all the right things and pretending that all is good. No, it's an inside-out job. Power of the Holy Spirit, right? Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So if we understand that it's for our good, if we understand pruning in a cleansing way, pruning and getting, uh, getting things out of my life that are actually hindering fruit, it may be painful, but you know what? We should welcome it. We should welcome it because it, it's good because God is good and all the time, even when he prunes, amen? Even the pruning process is good. It's good, right? So he does it through his word, primarily power of the Holy Spirit, and he can also do it through circumstances, trials that he allows. There's a great verse uh, in 1 Peter. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, what's he talking about? He's talking about precious metals that are put in the furnace. And why are they put in the furnace? Because the heat purifies them. The dross, there's a thing called dross. You put it in the furnace, it gets heated up, the dross gets separated, rises up, and they get rid of the dross or the waste material, right? And, and in the same way, sometimes God allows trials in your, your, my life, the furnace, because he just wants to get rid of the dross. Amen? You're like, what's going on? Why is this happening again? Oh, man, why, why, why? And really what God is revealing is dross, spiritual waste that through the trial rises up and then he can deal with it so that you're more refined and pure, right? Robert Cadre says this, as gold by fire is severed and parted from dross, so singleness of heart and true Christian simplicity is best seen and made most evident in troubles and afflictions. In prosperity, every man will seem godly, but afflictions do draw out of the heart whatsoever is there whether it be good or bad. Anyone ever go through a trial or something catch you off guard and you say something you oughtn't to have? Okay, it's just me. Okay, just me and Betty. Just me and Betty. Something's happening. Okay, you had a reaction. Anyone ever have a reaction that you're like, whoa, that's the old Mark? You ever have the old person rear its head? Mostly when you're caught off guard. And mostly when maybe you're not feeling well, maybe you're distracted, right? And, and you just kind of have this reaction like, whoa, what was that? Well, just something that needs to be removed. A little reminder of some dross that got lifted up in the heat of that moment. And you're like, okay, okay, thank you, Father, for revealing that. Now, again, 
See this as a positive. See this as a positive, right? Again, because sometimes, again, you'll, you'll, you'll say something, you'll react a certain way. And how many of you ever said something, done something, reacted a certain way, and you beat yourself up for a very long time after that? How could you? Oh, my gosh, I thought you were a Christian. Or someone says that to you. I thought you were a Christian. You know, I thought you were a pastor. I thought you were. I thought you were. Right? And then you beat yourself up for days and days. When truth be known, it was just allowed to happen so you would confess it receive God's forgiveness, it's identified, you can remove it and grow from it. Amen? That's the process. But many of us get stuck, and we beat ourselves up, and we, we're the ones that keep ourselves from progressing because we're the ones that won't let it go. Right? The Bible says that God remembers our sin no more, right, when we confess it. So when you confess your sin, the word confess simply means to say the same thing. That's biblical confession. It means when you confess something, you're saying the same thing that God says it is. So if I say, Lord, I confess this is sin, what I'm saying is I agree with you this is sin. Okay, so I confess my sin. To repent means to turn 180 degrees and go, I was going my way in this sin. I confess it. I repent. I turn 180 degrees. Now I want to walk God's way. When you do that, you're forgiven, which means God remembers it no more. So if you sin, and you confess it, and you turn, who's the only one remembering it? Well, you and the devil who will keep throwing it in your face, the accuser, right? So what do you have to do biblically? You've got to say, no, I confess that. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That sanctification is to receive God's forgiveness by faith, not your feelings, by faith in the word of God, I am forgiven, I'm moving forward, amen? Other people may try to bring up your past, other people may try to condemn you, the devil may try to accuse you, and all of that you say, eh, I'm forgiven, God remembers my sin no more, amen? That gives us the freedom to keep progressing, to keep progressing. The devil and maybe others want to keep you right where they are, right? And sometimes for whatever reason, even in the church, we get this weird peer pressure like, oh, you know, we can't progress and somehow we don't feel like we're supported in growing more like Jesus. And No, you're free. Don't let others condemn you. Don't let others bring up your past. If you've confessed it, you've repented of it, you've received God's forgiveness, the Bible says he remembers your sin no more. You can learn from it. You learn from it. You're more dependent on him if the temptation or whatever comes up. Now you catch it. Now you have this area of self-realization. You're like, whoa, whoa, here it comes again, okay? That's different than condemnation. It's like, okay, no, not this time. You got me the last five times. I learned. God's forgiven me. He's taught me how to handle this biblically. I can call someone. This time it's different because I'm a new creation, amen? That's sanctification. That's how it works, right? J. Vernon McGee, I love J. Vernon. He says this, when God tests us today, he puts us into the furnace. He doesn't do that to destroy us or to hurt or harm us, but he wants pure gold. And that is the way he will get it. Friend, right, if you ever watch J. Vernon, friend, that is what develops Christian character. At the time of testing, the dross is drawn off and the precious gold appears. That is God's method. That is God's school. And we're all in school. But I love it. It's not to hurt or harm us. It's because he loves us. That's the joy. And that's where, 
You know, how many of you remember, you know, for some of you it might be longer, how many when you were a kid and you just had the joy of learning something? A bike or whatever, you know, skipping rocks on the water and you tried like 50,000 times till you got the rock to finally skip and, right? Remember, how many, how many of you remember the joy of learning before it got all serious and it got all like, you don't mess up and you're, you just went out and you did stuff with your friends, right? You just did, did stuff, Right? Remember, how many of you remember before cell phones and like when I grew up, like, mom, I'll be back. And she had no way of getting a hold of us. You remember those days? Like, here's a quarter for a pay phone if something happens. I remember pay phones and all that, right? But just that joy of learning, the joy of just going out there and adventure and trying something, right? And you and your friends would do crazy things like you're on your bikes and you see this wooden plank and you say, hey, let's make a jump. And let's just see who can jump the farthest. And you just kind of did stuff. I think that that blesses father when his kids are spiritually adventurous and just want to learn what it is to be Jesus. And you stub your toes and you, you know, whatever. But it's okay because you're, you're in progress. You're learning. You're growing. But at a certain point, I think as adults and even as, as Christians, we, get, we flip that. Now our biggest goal is not to mess up, right? In sports, they call that playing not to lose, instead of playing to win. But in 1 Corinthians, he says, run to win. We should be running to win and not be consumed with afraid of losing. Because truth be known, if you're a Christian, we already won. Amen? If you're a believer, your name is written in the book of life. Whatever happens today, worst case in our human terms, if you, if you, you're, you passed on this planet today, where would you be? Okay, that's a good thing. Yeah. I'd be, in, I'd, I'd be in heaven where there's no sin and Jesus is there. And Gosh, yeah, I, I, I guess it'd be heaven. Where would you be? Thank you. Is that a good place to be? You know, it's so funny, right? It's like we're on the winning team. Worst case in human terms, we die. We go to heaven. <laughs> you see, it's just a biblical. We, we get, we've gotten so oppressed and so put in bondage by even how we live as believers. We're the, one on the, we're the winning team. We're the winning team. And that's why I love Christmas. Somehow, through the incarnation personally, this Christmas to me is like, I, I feel more joy than I have in a lot of time because I'm just reminded, I don't care what's happening with COVID and the world right now because the incarnation already happened. That's not, COVID's not gonna change the incarnation and COVID's not gonna change my faith in Jesus. So nothing changes. And yet, I, I, I don't know, God is just stirred like, we should be joyful. Nothing changes. We win. You've won. You're in process. Don't let sanctification become a beat you up thing. Get on your bike and go hit the ramp. <laughs> or whatever it was for you growing up, right? Just go. Try it. You know, I mean, we got to capture, and that's why I'm looking forward to 2022 as a church, Great Commission and getting into the community and doing things. We're going to go, and we're not going to get it right. I'm telling you right now, on December 19th, we're not going to get it all right, and we're going to have oopsie moments, and we're like, okay, debrief, don't do that ever again, right? But we're going to learn. We're going to learn. Mark has uh, already said to you, well, Mark, what are the dates for Mexico? May 8th to 14th, we're going to go build two homes in Ensenada. Ensenada again, right? 
If you've never gone, let's go. But what about, but what about, when we're not unreasonable. We're not saying cast anything to the wind, but we're not going to be hindered either. There's a world that still needs Jesus. And so we're going to be safe. We're going to pray. We're going to do everything we need to do. And God willing, we're going to go build two homes and bless some people in Ensenada this year. Amen? We're going to go. And if you've never gone and you're a little scared and nervous, that's really good. That's a really good place to get to Mexico. And I, I took some kids when I was in high school ministry in Oceanside. I took some, uh, we, we went to go build a home. And it was a youth trip. And there were three sisters that went who lived in Oceanside. They had never left the country, right? Kind of a, a challenging upbringing, I think single mom, whatever. So they raise money, they come. You know what the victory was for them? You know what the most meaningful point of the whole trip? It wasn't the house. It was when we crossed the border. And they're like, we've never been outside the United States. And it was, it was, I was so blessed to be a part of that moment in their life, to be the first to take them out of the country. It's hilarious. We're on the other side of the wall. Yeah, the U.S. is right. Just right. <laughs> you know, if you've been there, you know it's just right there. But for these girls, they stepped out in faith. They were scared to death, never left the United States. And we went and they grew from it. And so it's not just the building of the house. It's going. It's trusting God for the finances. It's meeting people. It's interacting with the locals. It's such a bigger experience. And I just want to encourage us as a church and you individually, regain the sense of adventure. Regain the sense of adventure. Because Jesus is the vine. Father's the vine dresser. He's looking to cleanse you. Anything that happens, he works all things for the good. So any trials he's going to use for your good, you want to learn, get rid of the dross. It's all good. It's just all good, Right? And so today, we're just going to go a couple more verses. John 15, verses 4 and 5, he says this. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Okay, that's Jesus, and we are the branches, believers. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am, I in him, he it is that bears what? Much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So in the first three verses, Father comes because he wants to prune you so you bear more fruit. Jesus says, if you abide in him, you'll bear much fruit. So there's a process in these five verses. There's fruit. Father comes to prune so you have more fruit. Jesus says, and by the way, abide in me, there's much fruit. How many of you want some much fruit? You want to be the much fruiter, right? Well, he says right here, abide, abide in him. Because he says this, I mean, this is a powerful verse, especially in our culture, verse five, apart from me, you can do nothing. What? I, I drove here. I, I got dressed. I go to work. I run my company. I go to school. What, what do you mean, you, apart from me, you can do nothing? See, that's, that's very challenging because we live in a very self-reliant individual, pull yourself up. Don't depend on any one culture. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, for apart from me, you can do. You believe that? What's he talking about, actually? Right? Well, he's talking about bearing fruit. And what is the fruit? What he's saying is, apart from him, you can do nothing of spiritual fruit bearing. Because spiritual fruit bearing is a work of the Spirit. 
It's not a work of the flesh. So if you want to be a much fruiter, right? If you want fruit, more fruit, okay, prune away. Much fruit, I need to abide, right? You better know, kind of have an idea what is abiding then. If you want to bear much fruit, he says, do this one thing, abide. Abide in me and I in you. Let's have this relationship, right? So what does abiding mean? Literally, it means dwell, remain, stay connected, have constant contact. It's a word of perseverance. So to abide means to stay connected to Jesus. And in there is this word of dependence. Everyone say dependence. Ooh, that's a tough one. Because see, we are raised to be independent. And when we say we depend on people, that means we need help. Okay, let's all say it together. Hell, help. Let's all say it together. Honey, can you pull, look at the map. I don't need a map. I know exactly where we are, right? Can we call someone to get this fixed? I know how to fix this. I don't need help, right? Anyone else here struggle with help? Okay, anyone sitting next to someone who struggles with admitting need for help, right? Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> Dale, why are you fidgeting, Dale? <laughs> Dale was like this with Linda. He's like, I'll take my arm off of her. And <laughs> you knew it was coming on, Dale. I was like, I knew we should have watched this at home. I knew this was a live stream Sunday. But you see, if you were at home, Dale, Linda would be talking out loud. He's talking to you. <laughs> like there's some people at home right now just talking like, see, because you're not here. So you can see like, honey, see, see. Why are you pointing at me? <sighs> you wait till we get home. <laughs> well, let's just say collectively I'll struggle with a little bit of hell right? So if we're going to bear much fruit, we have to acknowledge dependence. Amen. That he says we can do nothing. So literally you better cry out for help because if you go out there in the flesh and in your own abilities and try to create fruit, it's just your creation. It's like imitation, right? This is why it's challenging sometimes when we teach on the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, because it's a fruit of the spirit. But sometimes when you teach on the fruit of the spirit, everyone leaves with the best of intentions and in the flesh, I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be just, and, and, and like, no, whoa, slow down. It's a fruit of the, what you first got to do is learn to walk in the spirit. And if you're walking in the spirit, you'll bear the fruit of the, because it comes from the, okay, so same way here. He's the vine. He is the source of the fruit. You and I need to focus on abiding and staying connected. Amen not the works of creating the fruit. If we abide, he says very clearly, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. How many of you just got a load lifted off? Like, ah, oh. right? Because again, if we flip this and fruit turns into good deeds and works, now we have scorecards and now we're half empty again, right? We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we go into 2022 going, okay, Lord, 2022, year of abiding. I want to abide in you. Now, this is why church attendance here in person, 
reading your Bible, prayer, fellowship, serving, all the activities that we encourage you to do, the disciplines, this all comes into abiding. Does it make sense now? See, this, the um, abiding is the umbrella that connects all the church activities that we encourage you to do. If you're just doing church activities for activity's sake, yeah, that can kind of go like, what's the point? Right? What's the point? And a lot of times, because we lose sight of the ultimate goal, which is much fruit, church attendance, Bible study, men's group, women's group, serving, they become ends in of themselves, and now it's just duty and drudgery because they're not connected. They're not connected. Right? I shared with the leadership team this morning, I was raised in a, in a very academic home, and my goal, my career, it's weird, I had to look back, and like my career goal was to get into uh, one of the top universities. So I did everything I needed to do, do junior high, high school, grades, academics, extracurricular, everything. And the end game, the goal, the goal was to get into a university. So I got into UCLA. The crazy thing is, it was just UCLA. UCLA was not attached to a career. The end game was just to get into UCLA. So I got into UCLA, and I was just like, okay, now what? Because I didn't, there was no bigger picture. It was, that was the goal. And I literally, okay, how many GEs can you take? You know, and, and you're floating around, you're trying to figure out, now I got to figure out what I want to do with my life. And my roommate, I remember it was so funny, last year of, of college, we literally looked at each other and said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, what are you going to do? He said, let's go to law school. We said, okay. So he went to University of San Francisco. I went to USD just because it was something, the next thing to do. It wasn't part of a bigger picture. UCLA was the end game. I could go into retirement because I achieved my goal, right? I was like, oh, wait, life is just starting. <laughs> I got to get a job and a career. My career was just UCLA. Well, a lot of us, you get saved and you think, go to church, done. Bible study, done. Read my Bible every day. Done. So you're just, that's your layer of done. You're, you've arrived. I said the prayer or, you know, I put my faith in Jesus. Now I just do all these things until I go to the pearly gates, right? And, and there's no bigger picture. There's no goal. Well, I'm, I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you through the word of God. The goal is to bear much fruit. And how do you do that? Abide. So you come to church, you meet people, you get connected with brothers and sisters in Christ, you serve together, you go build homes together, you go into the community together, you pray together, you fellowship together. Why? Because it all keeps us connected to Jesus. The whole point of everything we do here is to help you stay connected to Jesus, amen? And I'm gonna be honest with you, we want you more connected to Jesus than the well. Please be more connected to Jesus than this church, because the people that run this church are imperfect. But, um, <laughs> at some point, we will probably let you down. Because, not intentionally, because we're human. And we're all in process of sanctification. We do our best. We really do do our best. But, ultimately, your number one hope, faith, everything, put it in Jesus. We're, we're, we're just a conduit here. We, we just want to use our Sundays together through worship and the word to get you connected to Jesus and to each other. We want to go serve so you're connected to Jesus. It's, please be more connected to Jesus in the well. I appreciate um, you know, that you 
are called here, and I appreciate the love and encouragement that we get as a leadership team. Um, but please, be more connected to Jesus than the well. Um, that's really what we want. That's really our heart, okay? And we'll, we'll wrap up here, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, talking about this, this issue of dependence. Look what it says. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. But with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. This is it. Verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Verse 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Amen. Everything you do in following Jesus, it comes from him. Even the Apostle Paul couldn't claim anything. He was a great, you know, he was very smart. He could speak, right? But he was like, no, it's all, it's all from him. And you and I, it all, it all comes from him. This whole church comes from him. I don't claim anything. It's all from him. It's a miracle that we're even here, right? David Guzik. Some people refuse to be used by God because they think of themselves as, quote, not ready. But in a sense, we are never ready or worthy. If we were, the sufficiency would be in ourselves and not from God. Amen. If you're not ready, you're probably in a really good place because then you're teachable and you're humble. Right? I've, in 30 years of ministry, I've had guys come through who wanted to be youth pastors and quite honestly, some of them thought they were God's gift to the church. They were going to come in and tell us exactly what we were doing wrong and how they were going to right the ship and how they were going to get hundreds of kids saved. And those were the guys that scared me because they didn't need God and they didn't need anyone. They were so prideful and arrogant that they had it all wired. And quite honestly, most of them fizzled. Most of them fizzled. It was a work of the flesh, Right? Other times I've had guys come through and they're like shaking in their boots. But they're humble and they're faithful and they're teachable. And when God does something through them in the life of a student, they give God the glory. They're like, how'd that happen? I know, it's pretty crazy, huh? Right? Because this is all unexplainable. This is a work of the Spirit, even here. Amen? This whole thing is supernatural. We're just using our gifts and talents the best we can. I can't explain this. I don't take any credit for this. Like I share with you before and I share with the leaders, every Sunday it is a miracle that any one of you come here because this is a volunteer gig. So when people come to the well and I look out there and I see all the cars, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how does that even happen? It's crazy. I'm just, I'm not, I'm just telling you it's crazy because y'all aren't getting paid to come, right? I'm getting paid to come. Okay, so... Right? Henry Blackaby says this. Will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. If you feel weak, limited, ordinary, you are the best material through which God can work. Amen? How many of you would say, yes, that's me, weak, limited, ordinary? Anyone? Well, welcome to God's kingdom. Because he gets the glory. That's what I want us to get. That goes back to that sense of adventure. 
Let's do this. All of us, limited, weak. You know, he doesn't need the A-team up here. This is, the church is not about the superstars. Getting behind the mics and entertaining and, uh, you know, making you all feel like, I could never do that. Well, there's some things you could do that I will never do. There's a lot of things that all of you right here and all of you at home, you are more gifted. You will reach people I will never reach. You have talents and God will use you in ways that I will never. And I will celebrate that and I will help you get there. But I just don't like when churches become about the superstars up here and everyone feels like we're never going to be like you. And no, this is the big we, amen? My job, our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and we go boom. That's what we do. Limited, weak, ordinary, scared, terrified, petrified people. We do it together. And there'll probably be events where we go out and we're like, are you nervous? I'll be like, I'm nervous. But you're the pastor. I know, I'm really nervous. Because they expect things of me. Right? Sometimes I would get a call to go do a visitation. I'm just, you know, here's a story. I would get a call to do a visitation. And um, I don't know the person. They would just like a visit from a pastor. And I don't know what I'm walking into. Sometimes it's uh, towards the end of life, right, or illness or something. I have no idea what I'm walking into. And I'll be honest with you, those calls and those opportunities, they scare me. And it, they, they bring me right back to, Lord, I need you. I don't know what I'm walking into. I don't know if this person is a believer. I don't know if they're going to receive this or if this is going to become antagonistic. I don't need, they don't need, sometimes they don't even know I'm coming. Because someone wanted them, you know, a family or someone invited. So I'm with you. Even after all these years, I get these calls and it puts me on my knees. And I'm driving to wherever this is going to happen and I'm nervous. And then I call Tyler and say, Tyler, can you come with me, please? <laughs> uh, Ty. Tyler, Tyler knows. So he comes and, and he sometimes, you know, He's not available, and I got to do it myself, which is great. But sometimes I need a friend. I'm like, Ty, can you come help me with this? Because this might be a biggie, and, and I, I would really appreciate the gifts that you bring in. Because he has gifts um, that complement me. And so sometimes it's best that we tag team things. I don't have to go in, you know, and be all this, and, well, the pastor is here, ha, 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 you know, and get in a pastor voice, and ha, ha, ha. How can I pray for you? You know, I mean, I'm like, no, I'm shaking in my boots. I brought Tyler because I'm scared to death. So the point is we do this together. And these moments, the one thing about ministry, just so you know, what it does for me personally, it keeps me abiding. Because this is way bigger than me, and I have to stay connected to the vine. And, and I just want to encourage you. I share, that, I share this kind of insight with you so you, you we're in this journey together. Every Sunday, before I come in here, about 10 till, I'm in my office and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, okay, here we go. Just be glorified. And oftentimes what I do, a little more insight, I take, I take this. This is what, it's, what I'm about to preach, and I do this in my office. Probably every Sunday I do this. Here, it's yours. Lord, take this and do whatever you can do to it. I just want to be faithful to preach it correctly. I literally will do this in my office because it's beyond, it's beyond me. Okay, and I share that with you to encourage you in your journey, okay? None of us have it all together. Some of us, I think, have just figured out what it means to abide and how to, how to, how to get through things in life from a sense of abiding, okay?
So I hope that's helpful. John 15, 8 says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I love that. When you bear fruit, God's glorified. It's all about him. It's not about the well. It's not about the well being the biggest, baddest anything in Ohio. We don't need to be voted number one, whatever, you know. We just want Father to be glorified. And according to this verse, the way Father will be glorified in this valley is if we bear much fruit. Amen? So let's just do that into 2022. Okay? And uh, Bill, you can come up and Bill will wrap us up and lead us into communion. And then uh, Vinny and Shiloh will lead us. So Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you that it's not really, you know, we don't have to be left to wonder how it works. You said if we want to bear more fruit, well, then we allow the pruning. And if we want to bear much fruit, then we abide. And so, Father, my brothers and sisters here, I pray that in this uh, time together and maybe even into the end of the year, we'll look back and we'll celebrate fruit. We'll celebrate fruit. And as uh, Bill comes up to lead us in the communion, thank you, Jesus, for coming on Christmas. Thank you for the incarnation. That we're going to have some announcements, and Jordan's got the first one. Very interesting. Um, as many of you know, uh, I am the youth director here at the Well, and we had a Christmas party on Wednesday. So I thought it'd be fun just to share a couple videos or pictures and a video. But um, we all kind of dressed up, uh, you know, festively, and we all all the lead, leaders had matching hats, as you can see there. Uh, so we had video games, um, we had a movie going, The Grinch, the new one, uh, and then we had a snowman building contest, so we kind of arranged all the chairs in such a way that we could all have fun out here, and they would, they wrapped each other in toilet paper uh, with bows, and that's Isaac over there on the right, he's kind of the classy snowman. Um, and actually the one in the middle won uh, the contest, because we had judges, you know, seeing which one was the best. So we had a lot of fun with that. And then the best part was we had a snowball fight, and we have a video uh, showing how that was. So yeah, we killed the lights. We had uh, black lights, and those little snowballs, you know, glow really nice. Um, interesting fact. So I think it was the the ninjas. I don't remember the full name, but they were winning the whole time. And so the polar bears were down, and so finally the last round, the polar bears won, and that was the final, the win for the polar bears. So we did pretty good. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, we had that going on, and we're going to have a, an event coming up this Wednesday, and then we're off for two weeks for, for youth, so uh, we'll be back again in January. So I think now Tyler has some announcements. Thank you, Jordan. Wouldn't it be great to be a kid again, be able to do that? I mean, I don't know about you, but the snowball, no, Martin? Okay. It is a lot of fun. They had a great time, but... Now, that's what I want to share this morning is that we, um, if you guys are not aware, we have the Continuing Care Center that we come alongside of, and this year we were able to um, bring some presents to them. So we gave 60 presents to all the residents, and the employees, we gave 120 cards with little candy canes. And I, I call them Betty, 
Betty's bags, but a lot of times people think I call Betty a bag, but that doesn't it. <laughs> so Betty was gracious enough to help us, and we delivered them. Richie and I dropped them off, and it just truly blessed um, the Continuing Care Center. And it's what we're called to do is be salt and light out in the community. So it's just, it was a great day, and I guess they're just having a great time getting all those gifts, because they're shut in right now, and during COVID, they don't get a lot of visitors. So, so, so thank you for all of you that helped on that, and now talking about more salt and light in the community, Darianne. Good morning, church family. I have um, a great announcement to announce to you. Um, in the past, we have been able to partner with the Wesleyan Church and provide meals, specifically sack lunches, for the Ojai Valley Family Shelter. And Matt and Michelle Henderson, who some of you know, I'm sure, they are coordinating meals for Pastor Lynn Thomas for the Wesleyan Church this shelter season. So we have chosen four Sundays. It's actually the fourth Sunday of every month. We are going to be packing 10 sack lunches for the homeless. And our first Sunday is actually next Sunday. It's the day after Christmas, uh, Sunday, December 26th. And um, there are many ways that you can participate. So um, every sack lunch contains five, ad five items, a sandwich, chips, fruit, a sweet, and a drink. And um, if you're interested, you can provide an item that would go into that sack lunch. Um, we can also prepare the sandwiches after church, which we've done before. After the service, we just have a little station in the commons, and we can make the sandwiches together. Um, if you're interested in baking, if you're a baker and want to bake a sweet for the homeless, if you want to um, deliver the, the sandwiches, the sack lunches, they have to be delivered to the Wesleyan Church by 5.30 every Sunday. If you want to um, create a note that could be included in the sack lunch, that's something that you can do also. So if you're interested in participating or have questions, you can talk to me or Pastor Tyler. Thank you. Thanks, Darianne. Uh, and one more opportunity to uh, participate and to really bless, um, either be blessed yourself or bless someone else. Um, we've had a family in the church who was... Uh, doing spring cleaning in December. Um, and they uh, have they came up with a lot of coats and jackets, most of them kind of winter-oriented, and they've brought them to church, and they're going to be available. And Tyler, where is the tables going to be? They're going to be out back. Okay, so, um, so after church, if you need a jacket, you know someone who needs a jacket, you are welcome to peruse all the jackets and take one if you are so inclined. If you don't need a jacket, but would really like to take an opportunity, like Darianne was just talking about, to take a jacket or two and go find someone in the community who needs a jacket, and you could just kind of drive around. You could, you know, obviously interact with uh, those who are homeless or someone who's just in need, whatever the case may be. Feel free to take one or more jackets and give them to someone who needs a jacket. So an opportunity for you to be blessed or for you take this as an opportunity to bless someone else. So that's a neat opportunity. And just a reminder also about the, uh, the Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's going to be this upcoming Friday here from 6 to 7 o'clock, and we hope that you can attend. It's really a very special time as a family together, and we hope that you'll uh, be able to come to that.